Plugged In podcast, where we will have honest, courageous, and fun conversations about how women are plugging into climate, energy, and sustainable solutions for the planet. I am your host, Megan Bennett, and on this podcast, I will be giving women who are doing the vital work of saving our planet a platform to share their stories, their ideas, and their dreams for a better future. And I hope these conversations will inspire us all to plug into our personal missions and expand what we think is possible for our families, our communities, our work, and ultimately our planet, starting today. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. Happy New Year, everyone. This holiday, I spent some cozy time on the couch reading and watching movies, and one of the films that I loved that came out over the holidays was Don't Look Up. I loved it, well, for a whole number of reasons, but it gave me a chance to talk about climate change with the few friends and family we visited with over the holiday. The movie for me was a conversation starter to talk about our collective response to the science and policy and the alarms surrounding the climate crisis. It felt good to be talking about climate and having some common ground to do it on. Talking about climate change and having conversations about how climate is impacting the things we love can be a powerful tool for helping move the dial on climate action. How confident are you about starting a conversation with family around the dinner table about climate change? How comfortable are you bringing up the topic of climate impacts and the climate crisis when chatting with friends over a drink? Today's episode is all about how to talk about climate and why it matters. Let's dive in with our guest. Uh, so my name is Katie Harper. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I work at an organization called Project Neutral, and Project Neutral is uh, has this great tool to help people understand their climate impacts and how they can take action from that. Um, and right now I'm doing a lot of work with our course, Talk Climate to Me, which is a fun, free, online, team-based climate education experience for women in Canada. Katie Harper is a senior advisor at Project Neutral. She delights in stopping to talk to anyone who's looking at a map on a street corner. And that same desire to make people feel welcome animates her work talking about climate change and helping people see that they can be part of creating a climate-safe future. Katie teaches that it's all about connecting the dots between what we love and care about and how climate is impacting those things. You know, I think about growing up and going cross-country skiing with my parents uh, when I was a kid, and it makes me really sad. It, it's kind of heartbreaking for me to think that those days of cross-country skiing are really fleeting now in, in, uh, in so Western Ontario, in Central Ontario, wherever we live, in Toronto, Treaty 13 territory. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so, so as a as a cross country skier, it makes me feel sad that I won't be able to offer that to my kids. Maybe it's, um, you know, uh, may, I mean, obviously, lots of people have have relatives in other parts of the world who are facing these, who have already been facing these changes for quite a while. Maybe it's concern for them. Maybe it's, you know, I mean, I'm just like. All the things. It's, we're, we're connected in so many different ways, whether you love wine and the, the, the droughts are, are affecting that. Anything that we care about is going to be connected uh, to climate change. And so um, 
when we share what we love and share our concerns, that is really motivating for people, or that's like really compelling for other people to hear. And you don't need to know all of the policy solutions. You don't need to know the the specific um, carbon budgets of your community or, or, you know, that stuff is great. And that's really interesting, but that's not where to start. We start from what we care about and that is how to connect to people. I can tell Katie connects well with others. Talking about climate seems easy to her. So I ask why talking about climate change and climate impacts can feel so difficult for so many of us. I think one of the reasons that it's hard is because we don't hear other people talking about it. So there's this so-called spiral of silence. Like, I don't hear anyone talking about we're, we're as we know, we're very hu- human beings are, are social creatures by nature and the need to belong and, and to sort of fit in with the norms. Um, that's actually a super powerful, although often invisible force in our lives. And so if I don't hear other people talking about it, then I'm getting this signal. Oh, well, they don't care about it. Okay. So I guess I, I don't, this is not something we care about. Like, is that the message here? We don't, not, we don't care about this? Okay, I guess I'll care about, I guess I'll focus my attention on other things. Um, and so one of the reasons I think it's really hard for people to talk about it is because we don't hear other people talking about it and it just the spiral continues and continues. And so that's why sprinkling it into our conversation is uh, is so valuable because that can start to to unlock some of the, well, some of that, that shifting narrative and just like, oh yeah, people around me do care. Um, so that's one thing. I think the other thing is obviously it's become really politicized and that is a, I feel it, it makes my blood boil a little bit to think about how it has been actively politicized and how much time it has cost us, how much we've, how much time we've wasted so that some companies could continue making profits when they knew that this is something that we should have been doing. Um, and so uh, I, I think because it has be, because it's been politicized. I mean, these things all feed into each other, and I'm sure social scientists have, would have a more nuanced uh, um, understanding of. But that those those feed into each other, and we don't want to stick our necks out. We're worried that we'll be criticized if we were. There's a vocal minority, very very small minority. Ninety one percent of Canadians think that climate change is really important, right? This we do people do care, but we just only hear from the the loud cranky uncles who are. Uh, you know, railing about against change, which, you know, I could go on a side tangent about that, but uh, it's, it, that, that makes people want to, to not talk about it. I, I heard yesterday um, something about, uh, there's a researcher in, out of Concordia who's looking for PhD research. She's looking at uh, mom influencers, like mompreneurs on Instagram. And one of the things that she noticed was that mental health is now something. So she was looking at what kind of things will they talk about? Um, uh, Because obviously we see a huge potential if mom influencers uh, talk about this, that's an amazing opportunity to reach uh, reach those groups. She noted that talking about mental health has now become uh, acceptable. It's become mainstream. And so now um, those folks feel comfortable talking about it. And so you'll see all kinds of posts about it. And that wasn't true just a few years ago. So I think that's an example of the power of once we get people starting to talk about things, it takes away some of the, um, well, certainly there's like the the feeling of isolation of I'm the only one that's experiencing this. And, uh, and, and it actually opens up space for conversation. And that actually really can start shifting things.
I've heard you say too, like it's about sprinkling in climate into the conversation. So not, um, does it need to be this like, all right, I need to have all the policy solutions and understand what happened at all these meetings and be able to talk about, um, you know, all of it at once. Cause it is such, you know, it's so all encompassing. So can you tell me a little bit more about what that looks like or what, how you've seen the sprinkling and, and like maybe what you mean a little bit more by that sprinkling of climate into conversations? How, yeah. how, what does that look like? What does that sound like? Well, yeah. Cause you're right. Like most when people will, people think like, Oh, talking climate. Oh, like oh, my homework is to talk climate. Oh no, I don't know how to do that. I don't know. Wait, what are Canada's targets again? And what am I supposed to be doing? And that sounds super overwhelming. Right. Um, and we automatic, or at least I, I think many of us automatically think that that when we say talking climate, we mean debating the trolls on the internet. And it's like, no, we're not talking about that. Absolutely not. Don't waste your time with them. And in fact, it's not even about persuading anyone because that's what we also have this idea of like, oh, I need to go and I, that person on the internet is wrong and I need to go correct them. Nah, forget about that. They're that they might be part of like the 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 late you know they might come around or they might not but there's a whole there's millions and millions of people who share your views and share these concerns and they're the folks to talk to so so first of all it's like not about persuading anybody and it's not about debating anybody um what it is is about sharing your concerns so your what do you love it has a climate connection that's the that's the horror of climate change is that it's a threat multiplier and it touches absolutely everything. But maybe that's also, it means that everyone has a pathway into this. No matter what you love, there's going to be a climate connection. And so you can use that. Okay. So climate conversations are hard to have because we aren't hearing them in our everyday. And we may feel overwhelmed about how to start them. I'm curious why women are the focus of the Talk Climate to Me program and why that matters. Here was an observation. Women are more concerned about climate, but they feel less confident talking about it. So uh, we know that, in, in fact, in Canada, the, ge the gender gap in terms of um, men versus women who was more likely to identify the climate crisis as an actual emergency, it's significant. It's like a 12% gap uh, between men and women in Canada, and that's one of the largest in the world. So, okay, so women are more concerned about it. Um, and we can talk later about why that might be, which is interesting in and of itself. But uh, at the same time, we know that women are less confident talking about it. Research from uh, the Yale Climate Communications Group uh, found that even though women knew the same amount of things, when you ask them, like, what is a leading, you know, what are one of the causes of climate change? They were equally good at identifying those things as men. But if you ask them about, but, but they were much more likely to express uncertainty. So it's like, they actually knew as much, but they didn't feel confident uh, knowing about it. And we know that people, that was stopping them from having climate conversations. One of the super important things in this, and, and Dr. Catherine Hayhoe, um, who is, I'm sure you know, has is, is really been championing this along with lots of other people, is we need to normalize this. We need to ha be having these climate conversations. Um, and they don't always have to be like heartfelt, sit down one-on-one, -on -one, talk about climate policy, talk about you know whatever it is. They can just, what we really mean is 
we need to be sprinkling this into this just the soup of our lives, uh, just sharing our climate concern because that, as Dr. Catherine Hayhoe says, that is a domino that unlocks, you know, the first chain in a domino that unlocks some social change by by shifting these uh, these norms. So we know that people need to be talking about it and they're not talking about it. We also know that women are concerned and we know that they don't feel comfortable talking about it. So, okay, well, we can if we can deal with that, if we can build up their confidence, then can that actually support more climate conversations? And can that in turn start shifting these larger narratives? And um, the, and the other dimension about women is that women are vital for the climate solution. We know that women are impacted more, 80% uh, of those displaced by, uh, by climate uh, disruptions are women already. And, um, but also women are the one who are on you know women are the ones who are on the ground leading the the grassroots uh, all of the grassroots initiatives not all of them that's obviously not true but we know that women who is populating the grassroots organizations who are on the front lines it's women um and so and let me just say one more thing about that women are so vital to this because even um like countries where women have more decision-making power, have have higher political status, tend to have not only more likely to pass climate uh, to ratify, excuse me, to ratify climate legislation and so on. They actually have lower emissions, and I don't know why that is, but I think that it's like. Uh, just you get better decision making as with any kind of diversity you get better decision making when you have different perspectives different lived experiences contributing to that and so. We know that we need women as part of the solution. So if I can back up, we need women are less confident, uh, more concerned, and vital to solving the climate crisis. Let's give them the tools to actually, you know, start making change in their community. Um, and so that was the that was the observation that led us to say, how can we support this? Um, and my colleague Sarah Lazarevich uh, had noted this and was also inspired by some of the work uh, from Science Moms and Vote Like a Madre and some of these groups out of the US that are working with the Potential Energy Coalition on really thinking like, how can we empower women as trusted messengers within their own communities to you know, make the help us help us reshape things and and make better climate decisions. And so she ran some initial test runs of uh, of a sort of earlier version of Talk Climate to Me, and got traction and and was finding that it was uh, that it was working and there seemed to be an appetite. And so uh, then she dreamed up this project, pitched it to the to the ECCC to Environment and Climate Change Canada. They thought it was a great idea, and so now we've we've got funding to run these six cohorts. Tell me about the moment you launched the first course. So you've done two cohorts so far. What was that like? Oh my gosh, I wish. Oh, I just got. I wish I could bottle up the energy, like the the feeling that I had uh, when we wrapped the very first session in October. It was just like, oh, this is amazing. Like we were just getting a lot of love and and seeing that people were making the connection and and sort of understanding the issue. So we in the in the first episodes we we call them four episodes. Um, each have a theme. The first one is a welcome, just let's set the stage, cover the climate basics, what do you need to know? Uh, second one is empathy, so understanding the disproportionate impacts that marginalized communities face of climate, but also how uh, in many times those communities are also leading the change. And then we look at our own impacts. And then in episode three is all about change. So that's like system level change and how we can contribute to it. 
and episode four is flourishing. So it's all about what, how does taking climate action create all of these other spillover benefits, um, reasons why we would want to do this stuff anyway, even if there wasn't a climate emergency. So back in October, when we did the first session, we had just painted this picture of like, this is the issue. Uh, we use Dr. Um, Kim Nicholas is a climate scientist out of Lund University in Sweden, and she has this pretty well-known haiku, climate haiku, and it basically just distills it down. It's like, it's warming, it's us, we're sure, it's bad, but we can fix it. Um, and so we use that as kind of a framing to, to cover the basics. So it was really cool. We were seeing people like, oh, okay, I'm getting things, stuff I didn't know before. So just like a little bit of climate, like facts or like 101. And then we paint a picture of what a possible future could look like. Uh, we have a, a, an imaginary, we snap our fingers and we're magically transported to 2050 and we're looking back on what was it like? How did we get there? And just to see people's kind of just be their imagination of like, oh, oh, this idea of like greenery everywhere and more equity and um uh, I mean, just being able to having more more free time because we didn't have to spend an hour in our commute uh, in our cars commuting, um, and not having the burden of having to figure out in the grocery store which one of these vegetables should I buy that has the least amount of pesticides for my children. You know, like there's a lot of burden that we are faced with right now because of the way that the systems are designed. So, helping people imagine. If the system were designed with health, planetary health and human health and, you know, interspecies, uh, I don't know, respect uh, in mind, what what would that actually look like? And, and so to see people imagine that sometimes, I think for many of them, maybe for the first time and to see them do that in a in a. A community. I mean, a virtual community. It's it's an online space, but nevertheless, to be surrounded by other people who are also interested, it just was like really, really uplifting. And um, yeah, it it really gives me a lot of energy and and desire to keep having these conversations. And that's the ripple, right? The, ripple, the ripple of why something as simple as learning to talk about climate can be part of the solution itself. Right. Oh my so. gosh, totally. I love the term social contagion. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with that, but uh, the this idea that if someone, when someone puts up a solar panel and then that climate action that they've taken is visible to others, their neighbors are actually more likely to put up solar panels of their own because it's like, oh, I, I see that. Oh, that's a thing I can do. Or for whatever reason, it's just, okay, that that ripples out. And talking can be the same way. Just you have a climate conversation. I, I try to, you know, in line at the grocery store, uh, just like, you know, someone will be like, oh, bad weather these days. Or I mean, you're like, oh, I know it makes me so worried. Climate change, just like sprinkle it in there. Maybe it lands, maybe it doesn't, but you just put it out and, and, and maybe it's just something that sits and it just changes the, we, we have a little video where my colleague Sarah imagines a, uh, or has like a glass of water and she's sprinkling in, you know, one little drop of food coloring and one tiny little sprinkle, one tiny little drop can actually like change the color of the whole glass of water, right? It just spreads out. And, and so that we really encourage our participants, remember that you are having an influence on the people. You are a trusted messenger you are influential to your people. And it doesn't matter if your people are, you know, your neighbors or your colleagues or your family or friends, whatever. By you saying this, that is having a ripple effect. And then you can make it even bigger by like, just think about what are all the ways that you can make it even bigger from there.
One of Katie's favorite examples of a rippling conversation inspired through this work is care of her colleague, Mariana's grandmother. We have a student from McMaster who's working with us, and she's delivering these uh, little quick, short 30-minute workshops um, just to get, just to whet people's appetite and see, uh, talk about this. And one of the people that she gave a workshop to was her grandmother and a couple of her grandmother's friends. And her grandmother got really into this and was like, just... She sounds like an incredible woman. She happens to be, I believe, taking a course at universe, at a university already. And in that course, the grandmother noticed that all of the young people that she was surrounded with, her fellow colleagues, weren't talking climate, didn't know anything about it. And so now she's the grandmother has started teaching them about climate. She's also been starting a group with her, with her snowbird friends, uh, a bunch of other retirees, and has been talking about climate with them. And she just decided that she's like, you know what? I don't think I need my car anymore. I don't want to pollute. And so she just gave up her car at 82 years old. Um, and so all of this from like an initial conversation that Mariana had with uh, with her. And I mean, I think it's just, she sounds like an incredible person to begin with, but it also reminds me that, um, you know, maybe if someone else had had that conversation, it wouldn't have landed so well. But because Mariana was tr a trusted messenger and, and her grandmother's going to take what she says and, and understand that, the deep care that Mariana has for this, I my hunch is that it landed more. And so it, it's not only is it an amazing story of just like these these ripple effects, but also it reminds me that when we talk to people, the people that we care about and tell them, this is something that I care about, it can really, really land well. We know that people uh, can be amazing climate messengers within their own families. And the most interesting thing was this research that came out a couple of years ago about uh, students who were learning about climate, but they were learning about it in a really like, um, how is this affecting my community? They were looking at um, the impact, the local impacts. And one of their assignments was to go home and talk to their families about how, what things have changed and so on. And they found that the kids going home and talking to their parents was a super effective way of changing their, par their parents' attitudes. And the biggest lift, the biggest change in attitudes actually came when daughters talked to conservative dads. So amazing that like we do have someone who who for all of the reasons we talked about earlier this has become politicized might not think that this was something that they cared about all of a sudden when it's your own daughter saying this matters to me that unlocks a new conversation and it's not where people are not coming at it from butting heads um, and arguing about facts facts don't persuade people that's not where to start the conversation they're talking about what like coming at it from heart and and that actually like is unlocking amazing things. So I, I, I love that example as well. How does gender, ethnicity, and race play into climate conversations? Hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, well, one of the things, you know, going back to this idea that that women tend to be more concerned um, uh, about it than than men. Like if you ask, is this a is this a climate emergency or is this you know, is this an emergency? Women, at least in Canada, were twelve percent more likely to say yes to that. And I think it has to do with the lived, well, sorry, the research says there's some people who say, oh, well, it's because we've been socialized as caregivers. And so we're more tuned into uh, the care that, that, that sort of that, um, that feminine uh, um, caregiving role kind of thing. Um, and other signs point to that it's, um, it's a sort of a clear assessment of the risk that, that women tend to have a clear assessment of the risk. And that may be because if you haven't had sort of a sense of personal safety 
guaranteed or an assurance that like your personal safety is maybe you're just more tuned into risk. And that certainly is true um, of anyone who has maybe for whatever slice of their identity has been marginalized in some way. I want to talk more about uh, normalizing the conversation. You mentioned earlier about the mom influencers and uh, social media. I'm curious what you see the role of women-friendly media, whatever you know, whatever that means. You know, yeah. that, that's interesting. Um, how? What's their role in normalizing climate conversations and covering climate stories? And I'd also be curious, like. Who's doing it well? Who should we be following if you have any recommendations? Mm. And where do we need to see more of this to be, I think, supportive of the conversations that you're talking about, right? And yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, so uh, Sarah Lazarevich and her colleagues at Clean Prosperity did a, a scan, sort of a, a quick scan of women's media last year and found like, we, we have a line in, our, in the, the course, like uh, lots of home organization hacks and, you know, style fall styling tips or whatever but almost nothing about about climate um and so yeah that certainly plays a role in in reinforcing this idea that nobody cares like oh well if this is not being covered in in this publication then um then it's not so then it must not be important which is, we know is uh, is part of that spiral of silence there, there's a term for that which is called pluralistic ignorance um where we falsely believe that other well we, we have basically pluralistic ignorance as i understand it is where we have wrong ideas about uh what other people are thinking and care about and so on and climate is one of those uh sort of a classic example of that um who's doing it well uh i I'm not, I don't know if I'm super equipped to talk about that. I want to, the just uh, popped into my mind um, at when you said that was the narwhal that has uh, like women led, uh, like a lot of like really amazing women led um, store, well, a women led publication uh, with a lot of great climate coverage. I think that's amazing, but that's maybe not in the realm of we would think of like women's magazines and using air quotes here, women's magazines. Um, I mean, there's the classic, uh, uh, the, the now classic example of how Teen Vogue has gone uh, gone all activisty over the last few years, and I haven't been keeping up with what they've been doing. But I think that's been really amazing, watching how, and it just like it just speaks to the this amazing culture of young people today that are equally comfortable talking about makeup tips and climate marches, you know, and that those things are not mutually exclusive. I love that. I think that's been really amazing at, at normalizing it. Um, and other than that, I would say the, the people that I get excited about is there's just like some amazing Instagram, uh, uh, accounts like intersectional environmentalist, um, uh, Queer Brown Vegan is a is is one that um, he's made some stuff that's really accessible to people in terms of uh, living sustainably um, and so on. Um, I personally, Queer Nature is one of my favorite accounts to follow. Um, they're more in the nature connection space, uh, but uh, they just they do um, just really generous sharing about how. And I'm not at all equipped to talk about this, but I just have feel like I've learned so much about how kind of queer folk can help us unlock the binaries. Like it's not just the binaries in gender that we're, we're locked into. It's this, this whole binary thinking has been 
a failure of imagination for us. And so as we think it's like, it's this or that, um, you know, it's, it's us against them, you know, it's competition or whatever. And there's just this whole other way of seeing the world that, um, um, that is probably a more, more accurate, it's certainly more accurate of the way that the natural world works. Um, and so I'm super, I feel tons of gratitude for the folks who are helping me kind of unlearn those, those frankly colonial mindsets um, and, and shift my thinking. And I feel like I've got a lot more learning to do on that, but, but uh, yeah, so, so that's the kind of media that I've been excited about, but um, yeah, I think that I, I think there's a call for, I think this year we have started to see a shift even in mainstream media where um, things are getting covered. And I strongly encourage that and applaud that and, and hope that we keep that keeps going. I get the feeling from Katie that this Talk Climate to Me program is pretty high energy and that they worked hard to make it really fun. Climate change can often feel so heavy, yet finding some lightness, some joy, and some play seems important. I think it comes back to the connection piece. And to be honest, it's one of the things that attracted me to the program in the first place. Because I think I find the same challenge. How do I make this podcast fun and playful to listen to? How do I find joy in my work? So as one of the final questions I asked Katie, what's the role of fun and joy and play? In terms of the course, we want, we, in, we include a lot of fun. We have silly music sort of piped in. We've got a few jokes here and there. It's obviously very serious stuff, but we do it in a way that's lighthearted and, uh, and mixes the, and, and, and has a very positive frame. Like we want people to leave feeling like I can make a difference and it's worth it to make a difference. Um, in the broader question of why is joy important, uh, we're really inspired by the, the work of Dr. Ian Elizabeth Johnson. Um, uh, yes, I see you doing jazz hands. It's so good. Uh, and the, we love her, we loved her, the episode of how to save a planet that was all about how you figure out your climate thing. And, and she has, as, as you probably know, this Venn diagram of what brings me joy then what is what am I good at? Like, what's my special secret, my magic? Um, and then the third third sphere is like, what is the work that needs doing? And so we introduce that activity in the session, and we give people a place to go to like complete it. Um, but the reason for joy in that is that, as as Dr. Johnson says, this this is the work of our lifetime. Like, it's not going to be we're not going to solve climate change tomorrow this is going to be something that is going to affect us for the rest of our lives. And so we need to be able to sustain ourselves and both we need to be able to like keep going with this as a marathon, not a sprint. But also in the words of Tony Cade Bambara, we need to make the revolution irresistible. Like this is about, we, can't, we have the possibility of creating a better world. We've kind of had this lack of imagination um, and framed all of the changes as like, oh, well, it'll cost more and da da da. It's like, no, that's all garbage. Like, it will cost less. We will make money. You know, we can, there's the potential to make money and to make the world more equitable and healthy and more joyful and more, you know, greenery everywhere in our cities. Take parking lots and turn them into parks and, you know, have create butterfly ways where, where people can, uh, can spend their days. Like, it's just, better so it's beyond beyond just joy it's just like a 
helping people imagine that there is a better world that we can create. I listened to a few of your um, other episodes, which are so good, by the way. And uh, there was one uh, where one of your guests was talking about a 3D, uh, 3D transition mm-hmm. where we need to decarbonize, democratize, and decolonize. And that's really what we want to leave people uh, thinking about is that if we do these things, those are not guaranteed. We have to work to them. We, ha- we can't just assume that that's going to happen. But if we can create, you know, if, if we push for um, a just transition, then it can be more joyful and better and healthier and all that stuff for people. And I just love that. Thank you so much, Katie. This is so keen to sign up for the program myself mm. and uh, yeah. b- bring a crew. Um, when, so yeah, what's, what's the plan for 2022? When, yes. what are your upcoming programs? What can people, yeah. or how do people sign up? You are cordially invited to be a team lead and I think you'll be amazing. And I'm just so excited for that. Um, uh, oh, that's so cool. So yeah, the, the People can go to talkclimate2me.ca and find out. Right now, we have uh, the the federal um, grant goes for sessions in January, February, March, and April 2022. We would love to find additional funding to be able to continue the offering. This we're seeing that there's a lot of appetite for it, and so um, that would be that would be a dream. Um, uh, we have the sessions vary in time just to work with different people's schedules. So. Uh, I think what well, we know that January is going to be Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1230. Um, February, I believe, is going to be Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 o'clock. March is going to be Wednesday evenings at 8. And then April is still to be determined. Um, and if people are interested in signing up, they just go to talkclimate2me.ca. If you want to be a team lead, and literally the team lead, all you have to do is bring a few friends. It's like it's, it's literally as simple as invite a few friends. Maybe it's your book club. Maybe it's your girlfriends. You can do it over a glass of wine um, or whatever you like to drink. And uh, and you really just recruit them. And then you get the questions for the breakout group in advance, but we also just blast them out to everyone in through Zoom anyway. So it's like, it's literally no stress and it's just fun and and low stakes, but a lot of fun. Thank you so much for your time, Katie. It's been such a pleasure and a joy to chat with you today. Oh my gosh. This is, I'm feeling all revved up. (laughs) This is really fun. Thank you so much for the space. Um, And yeah, as I said, I listened to some of the previous episodes and they were so good. And it's just like really, uh, it, it, thank you for creating this space today for this conversation and just like the space in general to 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 talk about these things because they matter and they're fun and and that's part of the sense of like wow this movement is actually huge there are millions and millions of people so many people who care about this and want to make a difference and um the momentum is building and you know plugged in as part of that so thank you yeah so many so many ways to sprinkle in the action, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can all have a hand in that. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Plugged In Podcast. Let me know what you think. Share it, rate it, leave a review. Reach out. I am on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. All the info can be found at pluggedinpodcast.ca. I am super thankful for all the love and support behind the scenes. Some special call outs to Ercilia Serafini and Summer Hill for supporting me with the time to explore and work on this personal project. So appreciated. And finally to my guests, thank you for being the inspiration. 
join me next time on the Plugged In Podcast.